We've done the best. Now it's time for the rest because we're talking movies. We're talking last minute scramble for an episode because we couldn't get our schedule right. So, Chris, whose fault is it? It is my fault. <laughs> like most things that go wrong on this show, it's my fault. So, Scott came in with the save. Uh, we're just going to talk about uh, some movies. I, I get, we're probably not even going to do our intro, I guess. <laughs> oh, we're not doing an intro. Well, you kept fucking talking, so normally there's a stop, and then we do the intro. So do you want to take that from the top? No, the, technically the Chris, whose fault is it, was like my fault. The intro. Hey everybody, Happy New Year, and welcome to the first episode of How'd You Like That Movie for 2023, uh, which we've already fucked up. My green screen's not working, I didn't plan an episode, so Scott had to save the day. Uh, so yeah, I guess 2023 is starting off with a bang, just like every other fucking year. Uh, we're gonna just be talking about movies, which is, I guess, kind of obvious. So, Scott, take us into 2023. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much... Um since we don't really have a a format for this episode it's just talking about movies that came out last year and some movies that we're looking forward to to next year um and just you know not a, these movies that came out last year there wasn't enough really for us to have uh an episode on them so it's just quick hits and um that's about it. So, uh, well, I'm going to just interject there because I literally had a phone call with you an hour ago to get clarification on this episode. And you also, I said, well, what about like just films I've watched throughout the year that are not from, and you were like, oh yeah, that's fine. So you're getting a bunch of fucking old ass fucking films that I watched throughout the year that have nothing to do with 2022 or 2023. So <laughs> the communication breakdown is fucking real over here at the, how'd you like that movie <laughs> studio? So... <laughs> So Scott, why don't you so go? Chris, why don't you go? Why don't you go first? <laughs> Tell me about the 1920 film in black and white that you researched. So that's great. You know what? We can absolutely talk about that because uh, my first film is going to be the 1949 British noir film The Third Man, directed by Carol Reed, that actually has the famous Orson Welles in it. And I'm not going to get into like any of the, uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or anything on these kind of films. I'm just going to talk about, like, why I like them and, you know, what's kind of great about them. So, uh, The Third Man is one of the classic noir films, just like Sunset Boulevard or Double Indemnity, uh, except that it's done in post-war Europe, uh, basically in, in Austria. And so it doesn't have this, such an American context. It's much more British and, like, French and German and stuff. Uh, it is a fantastic film. And again, getting to see Orson Welles was, uh, kind of amazing. But one of the things that I really loved about it is its use of the Dutch angle camera movement, which is, which for those that don't know what a Dutch angle is, it's where you take your camera and you basically pivot it usually 45 degrees one way or another. And it gives you these like weird kind of disjointed, powerful shots. So yeah, I highly recommend. I, I don't know how, like, did you even want to ask me questions? I don't know how you want to do this, Scott. I, I'm still very confused. Uh, well, <laughs> like, is there, was there a reason you watch this film? Yeah, so I've been trying to, because I like neo-noir, and as 
even though Scott pretends that neon noir is not a thing, it is. Uh, hashtag Chris is right. Um, so I've been trying to actually go back and watch classic cinema and specifically in the noir genre because the hard-boiled detective. I also was doing a film called Passage, which Scott was actually in, and I was playing a noir character in a, a you know little section in an insert. So I wanted to have a bit of a touchstone in case I needed to write any dialogue to go around with it as, um, as well. And noir is known for being kind of cynical, right? Like it is, there's nothing usually really positive uh, in noir films. The storylines are kind of slash, you know, detective slash, you know, the state or people are against you, you know, it's their thrillers. So there, there's a whole lot of greatness in that genre. And I was like, well, man, like I want to go back and like watch this stuff. And it, honestly, watching good noir films like you see the power so first off the the direction and cinematography even with their simple techniques back then is awesome right because you don't have all the crazy cgi and stuff like that like you are really just you know working with the lighting of the shot and the camera that's it right And, and same with black and white like you can do some really great things but you need really technically astute people to do it and the storytelling usually is fucking bang on because again there's nothing to hide behind right there's no special effects there's nothing like that the story's either good or it's fucking garbage so yeah the third man is it's definitely like one of my favorite films that you watch this year or just in general just in general like i said it's uh again it's one of those films that i would recommend to anybody who's like a cinephile uh or somebody who's in production who wants to see some really interesting camera work especially especially as an example of the use of the dutch angle not the dutch oven the dutch angle you're not making sourdough eh? we're, <laughs> we're not back to 2020 uh, uh uh for myself uh kind of in the vein of what you're what you're going with here was <laughs> the next Marvel the movie. Film... <laughs> Sorry. Nothing. You're like in the vein. And it's like the most recent Marvel movie. Cause they're almost like, noir no, 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 no. It, it is a re- recent film. Uh, but it was, it's one that came out last year, kind of on the fence on because like the cast was great. Concept <laughs> was great. It was entertaining, but after watching, it just felt like, you know, it, it was like, going to a Chinese restaurant and eating all, you know, enjoying while you're eating it, but then like leaving five minutes later and you're still hungry because it felt like something was missing kind of thing. And that film for me was Amsterdam by David O. Russell. Like, I don't know. Did you watch it or? Uh, I didn't. It was actually one of the films where I was very excited for it to come out. I didn't get to see it until I read all the like criticism of it. And I was like, I feel like I don't need to watch this movie. (laughs) Like, it's entertaining. Like, fucking Christian Bale, like, just fucking acts the shit out of this movie, right? Like, he is hilarious to watch in it, and um, he does a really good job. Uh, and the story is well done. And it is kind of like a neo-noir, like, who done it? where, you know, himself and his best friend, John David Washington, um, you know, get um, accused of killing somebody who obviously they didn't they're wrongfully accused so now they're they have like a couple of days to try to solve this mystery and um it's like cast wise it's it's fucking amazing like you got you got bail you got margot robbie you got fucking anna taylor joe chris rock is hilarious in this 
you got fucking um Zoe Saladana and Robert De Niro in it. Like it's just one of these like all-star casts, but to me, I don't know what it was. And it's probably one of these films that I'll have to watch again that to see like why it's not as high as I thought, but it is, I think you will enjoy this, right? Like it is well done. I just think it, um, it's, you know, it, it's one of these films that would need like the Chris Langford lens where I think something is probably needed to be cut to, to, you know, make it more enjoyable, I would say, but I wouldn't be surprised the fucking bail just like rings in on, on, on a nomination for the, his performance in this film. So you, even at the top of your head, you can't, you can't suggest what you think might be wrong with it. Like what about it? You isn't working. No, that's the thing, right? Like, it, it you would seem like it would work, but I, I don't know if it was just like that. Everything was kind of. It's one of those films that, I don't think it needed to be wrapped up in a pretty bow, right? And it was like everything was wrapped up in like, you know, it was like almost like a fairy tale at the end where like, and they all you know, lived happily ever after, which when you're going through the whole story from the beginning, it's like, I don't think, well, if this was based on a true story, what they say at the beginning of the film, I don't think that really would have happened. But again, the performances are well, if you got two hours to spare, do it, but uh, you'll enjoy it. Even some of the cameos in there, like Mike Myers and uh, uh, (coughs) Michael Shannon that, that were in it, like, like they're playing offbeat like secret agents and it it fucking works like you laugh at their performances but (coughs) i just don't know if maybe it was just it was like it was made kind of into a comedy is what kind of instead of like a serious drama is what kind of took me off of it but so do you think it it probably would have benefited from being treated more like nightmare alley then like have it keep it a bit darker in its undertones Maybe don't wrap everything up. Maybe don't have such a, you know, happy ending or whatever. Meh, maybe. Uh, again, like I said, like, I don't know what it is. It's just like, it didn't satisfy me at the end, right? Like, I felt good going, like, it was enjoyable going through. But at the after it was done, I was just like, eh, kind of thing. But go, give me your next one. So, as we were joking about at the beginning of the show, you got the touch, you got the power. Uh, another film that I, and, and I know we did a whole episode on Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Uh, I, uh, l- like, love this film so much. And I think after we redid it on the show, I went back and I, you know, I watched it with the eyes of a filmmaker. And I've really, really, really loved how on how much unbelievable cinematography there is in this film. And and I know that we often talk about the the intro tracking shot, but there's a bunch of zoom shots where they like punch in really quickly, you know, on someone's eyes after they've done a bunch of like coke or there's dolly shots like all over the place. Um it's such a fantastic film and I again I still think it's his best overall work. Like everything is firing on all uh cylinders. Simply because, again, and I know we definitely said this on the the show where we talked about it, because it comes from his short, the Dirk Diggler story, like he 
has such an attachment to this film. Everything about it is good. The casting, <clears throat> the 70s, porn, drugs, like... The porn was good. <laughs> the porn was good, yeah. Like, I, I just love it. Like, it's got a great, you know, little soundtrack. You care about the characters. They're three-dimensional. You know, watching them go on their journey, whether it's, you know, Dirk Diggler or any of the other characters. Um, it's just such a fun film, and it's so well done. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so I've watched it multiple times uh, this year. Specifically, again, I'm getting ready to shoot a film in January. So films like this that resonate with me, I go back and I'm like, okay, so how did they do their tracking shot? How did they do their dolly shot? How did they do their two shots? How did they set this up? Because I'm like, these are master filmmakers. So uh, the Chris Langford is not going to try and fucking reinvent the wheel here. He's going to go to the masters and try and learn from them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I really love Boogie Nights. Uh, you know, I know it's from 1997, but I think it is it holds up today. Uh, I really recommend anybody who hasn't seen it recently to watch it, you know, with maybe grown up eyes and you'll see like a really powerful drama. So, yeah. I just thought it was, you know, you went like three months without seeing Dirk Diggler's dick. You're like, <laughs> fuck, uh, I'm due. Save that content for uh, Scott on Cox. Scott Cox. <laughs> All right. Um, a film I really did like that came out this year and it almost made my best of 2020 but I just couldn't find uh, a film to knock it off was the swimmers. Uh, it was a Netflix film. I don't know if you saw it. I did not. Oh my God. Like it's, um, it's based on the true story of two sisters in 2016 who had to flee Syria and um, they, and it's li literally their refugee story of trying to get to Germany. Uh, because Germany was letting in refugees at that time for for the um, event. And they're both Olympically trained swimmers. And it's just their harrowing story of and of going across that. Everything they had to do, including like fucking ending up having to swim across the ocean themselves because the the raft boat that the smuggler got them in was like all patched up and it was about to sink with the amount of people that they put in. And um, the one sister actually made it to the 2016 Rio Olympics under the first time refugee team that they have. And I believe she won. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking when it needs to be heartbreaking. It's fucking, you know, it has the like yeehaw moments where you're like standing up and cheering for them. And it has like, the actual realism of what these people fucking have to go through when they are trying to flee the, these war-torn countries. Um, I won't give up too much away because I really do think you need to watch this, especially you, Chris. Like, I think you will enjoy it. Um, and it was really fucking well done. So how come it didn't end up on any of your lists for like acting or wildcard or anything like that? Like it was close for it was close for directing. Uh Sally L. Hussein directed it. Um, in terms of acting, I think the thing that this film did well, similar to what you're saying with Boogie Nights, is it's such an ensemble picture that it's not like there like to me, I don't think there was a lead. Like each sister carries their story and the film well, which um I couldn't really 
uh, pick like who would really be the lead because their journeys like go in two separate two separate directions and you're trying to uh, and you follow both and you feel for both and what they they have to do so I didn't want to really pick one over the other like I didn't want a fucking Judas and the Black Messiah kind of thing where you know Jesse Plummons ends up being the lead actor because they can't decide who the fucking lead actor is um, but it it was well done and it could have it was also probably in terms of when I watched it, it was literally like two days before we had to make our list. And I was just like, like, this is good, but I don't think it it's good enough to, to knock one of the films that I chose off, but yeah, it won a shit ton of awards. And I really do think um, it's a film that should be watched. Yeah, man. So what that's called the swimmers or just swimmers. The Swimmers. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Not the David Schwimmers. That's such a fucking bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Coming so into bad. 2023 with the dad jokes. Wow. Oh. So I'm going to... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you should have took a shit before midnight so you didn't have to carry this shit into the new year. Hello! Uh, so I'm going to, I mean, my next film is from 2021. It actually ended, almost ended up on my best of 2022 list because it was kind of straddling you know when it came out and basically though i locked it down to like it's a 2021 film uh it's pleasure uh which <laughs> so of course it's it's about the porn industry <laughs> the current porn industry uh it basically is the story of a young woman who comes from sweden with the whole she comes to los angeles to the san, san fernando valley to be in pornography like this isn't like you know i want to be an actor she's like yo i want to fucking do porn i want to become the next biggest fucking thing uh it's directed by ninja thurberg uh it's also based on her short film of the same name that went to the Cannes film festival uh pleasure the actual feature film also went to Cannes. um it's fucking hardcore it looks awesome like as far as like the aesthetic they do a great use of uh they have a great use of cinematography and stuff uh, but it's also like, it's fucking crazy. And I actually think that uh, I'll try and get this on our list to actually cover more in depth. Uh, we were originally supposed to have uh, female porn director Kate Sinclair on our show uh, last year. And I fucked that up because I, you know, was scheduling. So I actually may want to try and get her on to talk about this film more in depth as someone who works in the industry. But you watch this movie and you're like, it shows like the, you know, the girls all living in the model house, right? And like smoking weed and hanging out. And then it shows how like very quickly, you know, they ask you like, well, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I want to just start with like, you know, girl, girl or whatever. And they, they try and ramp it up as soon as possible. Like, well, what about this? What about, you know, interracial? Like just push, 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 push. Like you're only as good as your last kind of film. And there is some super like hardcore scenes in this because Basically, she wants to get the attention of this, like, famous porn producer, agent, whatever. And he's basically like, listen, you're too, you're too vanilla. So until you're more hardcore, I don't, I'm not interested in dealing with you. So she goes out and starts seeking out, like, these hardcore roles. And, like, there's one where it's essentially she's, like, repeatedly sexually assaulted. But it's happening as the director is like, well, you can, you can quit any time, like. We are all about consent here. Oh, you're not going to get paid and no one will ever hire you again. But, but like you could quit. Right. And so even though there's these like 
uh, I'm air quoting, like safeguards in place, the reality is the people in control of the industry still have all the power, right? So it's great, man. It's like I said, visually, it's it's, it's really well shot. The uh, acting by Sophia Capel, which is, I think this is like one of her first feature, if not first feature uh, film role, is great. Uh, yeah, super stylist, stylistic, sorry. Uh, and hardcore. Like, it's there's, there's some fucking hardcore fucking porn scenes in this thing. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch just as a, a really well-constructed kind of indie film that isn't, like boring and drab, like I said, great use of color, great acting, and, and a really interesting story. So yeah, check it out. It was like Technicolor, right? If I remember, like yeah, it's, very it's pretty like heavily saturated and stuff, like glossy. Like I'm even looking at the poster right now, and it just pops out, right? Um, which if you, it almost makes me think of like old, like vivid, high grade porn production from like the Vivid Company. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I've never i don't what is vivid yeah 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 yeah. okay man <laughs> <laughs> now speaking like this is actually pretty good because like your films are like good segues to my film uh so far at least uh now the one film this year that got released that made me the most uncomfortable i've ever been really watching a film was fucking blonde also a netflix film i don't know if you, did i haven't you watch watched that it one yet too? man because i i was again this is one of those places where i was very excited to see it i might actually watch it because of its use of black and white um i thought it was actually going to be more like a true telling of marilyn monroe's story and it's basically fiction and they treat her as a subject matter awful so i was like oh do i really need to fucking saddle up and watch that uh but yeah give me your give me your takeaway yeah like it's based on the book blonde uh that came out in the 90s i believe um but yeah like it is like it's nc-17 so you know be like it's pretty much a fucking porn but it's like literally like hey Apparently she got into like the reason she became as big as she was big because she was technically raped by a fucking casting director. And like you then they did not hold back on it as well either. Like, but um, like you, it, it fucking made me uncomfortable watching it. But they also did the director, um, Andrew Dominic, who wrote the screenplay as well. He did some pretty interesting, um, like, there's a lot of interesting scenes on here that, like, are overly suggestive of other things. Because uh, I don't want to give it away, because especially if you're going to watch it. But I think you'll kind of enjoy it, too. I, I don't know, like, but, like, I'll give one away. Like, one is, you know, she, she apparently had, um, oh, what's it called? Like, she was in a, like, a. A relationship with two other guys not polygamy yeah that's polygamy like if she was married to two that's polygamy yeah. not not married they're just dating and kind of like all the time like, oh like an open together. relationship yeah with two two guys who one was charlie chapton's son and the other one was the son of another famous person right they're both juniors unlike your father you're not so silent mr chaplin boom good thing you said that uh especially since you didn't watch the movie but yeah there's <laughs> one where you know they you know she like technically opens up towards the relationship and you can see she's now like enjoying it and it's like they 
technically like green screen the bed sheets so that way when she was orgasming it turned into like niagara falls oh so you're literally watching her technically getting it from behind while another guy's like talking to her saying like you like it and it's just like fucking on top of niagara falls for some reason because you know she's just gushing but the thing that like kind of made it super uncomfortable for me it was just like it was one fucking word and you said it it was fucking daddy like every time she she got married because apparently she never knew who her father was um she would just be calling these guys daddy like all the time like every husband she had was daddy like any one was abusive to her so he's beating her and she's like what did i do wrong daddy what did i do and it's just like fucking like fucked with my mind so much that i'm like i really thought listening to anna darmus just say the word daddy to the screen like eye contact would have been a lot better but it really disturbed the fucking shit uh, out of i me. read an interesting tweet that was something to the effect of the because of the over sexualization of the word daddy my kids will now refer to me as bro or bra <laughs> yeah like i i couldn't i was like this that's why i'm super surprised you haven't watched it yet because i'm like oh my god this is like way up chris's alley right there how did she do as an actor though like how did you find her i thought she did well yeah yeah i thought she did well like accent was like fucking like you couldn't really get a hint of her like i believe she's cuban she's cuban yeah yeah so i um you didn't get a hint of that it was like if you put like marilyn monroe up to her so it was that, that like high like feminine take like no accent kind of stuff like that but it, it like that was well done so and going into 2022 and listening about this movie i thought she was gonna be a front runner for an academy award but to be honest i think because of the over-sexualization of it. And I don't think they want to really put that on, especially after fucking Me Too. Um, I, I don't think she'll she'll get the nod at all. Which is unfortunate. And the, you're right, this happens, right? Like you are you do a great acting performance or a great uh, cinematography or whatever other craft. And your film takes a shit kicking because of something totally unrelated to those positions or those roles or those jobs. And therefore nobody gets anything. Right. Or a director mm. or a lead actor says something stupid in the media. The film gets fucking pummeled. And like, it'll be interesting to see um, what's the one uh, with uh, one direction there that came out. Harry Styles. Yeah. What, what was that film? What's it called? Don't worry, darling. Yeah. So it's or beautiful. The my policeman. One. No, no, no. Well, you, you let's, I can deal with I'm going to talk about like, don't worry, darling. Like, you know, it's beautiful in its costuming and its set decoration and cinematography, and it may not get nominated for fuck all because it had so much fucking controversy around it and it was kind of a shit movie. You know what I mean? And that would be really disappointing to all those people that worked so hard and, and they did their job really well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you, yeah. uh, it's funny, when you said the, the most disturbing film or one of the most disturbing films you watched, I actually thought you were going to, and I, I haven't actually seen it just because the trailer itself was so disturbing. Uh, so, which is David Cronenberg's, what is it, The H- History of Men or 
Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future. I was like, I was like, it had been nominated for some stuff. So I'm like, oh, I should probably check this out as best of 22. I watched the trailer and I'm like, nah, no, fucking pass. Body horror. Fuck that. I am not watching this fucking movie. It looks creepy as fuck. I will rewatch fucking Barbarian to watch Justin Long get fucking breastfed by an inbred mutant. Then I will watch fucking Blonde again to have her say the word daddy <laughs> repeatedly. Like I'll, I'll put that fucking thing on loop on Barbarian before I go back. So, so it makes. Like, so what I'm hearing is you prefer mommy, not daddy. Yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> well, that's actually surprisingly a good segue. And so this will be my last film. And then hopefully we can talk about films that we want to see or whatever, or whatever you've got on your list. Uh, Going from kind of creepy ass shit and staying in that kind of thriller vibe. This film has become like one of my favorite films probably this year. And that's 1991's The Silence of the Lambs directed by Jonathan <laughs> Denny. Like, my favorite film of this year came out 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in it became one of my favorite films this year because I've watched it. I think I've watched it like six times or something like that. This, so I, you know, I watched it the first time. I was like, wow, that's a pretty fucked up movie. And then over the years, I've watched it, you know, probably like once a year, once every two years. And I'm like, man, this is a really good film. Like, it's got a real rewatchability quality to it. You know, you, even though you know the story, you know the players. As I became more of a filmmaker, I keep going back to this well and I notice stuff. And so, first off, I don't even just want to say the cinematography, like the one shots, like the, the framing of individual characters in their close-ups and stuff. They do stuff like the close-up doesn't end above their head. It ends like kind of mid forehead and they just really fill the frame. And so you see all these nuances and it actually makes you realize like just how much of an amazing job both Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster are doing. I mean, actually everybody in the film, you know, my boy Buffalo Bill there, I'd fuck me. Like, Everything about this film is fucking perfectly done. Um, There's a scene. And so the last time I watched it, which was like a month ago, the scene where Clarice first meets Hannibal Lecter and they're doing their conversation back and forth while he's in his cell and Hannibal Lecter purposely like tries to like throw, like, you know, throw her off balance. And that's when he's like, you know, says like, are you a coal mon? Was your daddy a coal miner? Did he stink of the lamb? And he's like making comments about like, did you get molested? Like he's just like going full auto on her. And then the camera comes back to Clarice and you see her like get kind of like d- discombobbled by it. Right. Like it is. a it, So she, she deals with that or you see the actor respond appropriately. And then she like rallies and you actually, you can actually see her recompose herself or compose herself. And that's where she fires back like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of like, you know, powerful gaze. But can you can you turn that gaze on yourself, Dr. Lecter? Like and you actually see the power of the actor come like out in an attack in attack mode. It's I just watched this scene play out and it was so wonderful to be able to appreciate what these two actors were doing in that scene. Yeah, like I really enjoy it. I think in terms of um, the scene that I like the most like from that film. Um, I think it has the best fucking misdirection scene um, film in which, 100%. you know, when you're, you know, you're, you're getting the FBI going and, you know, you see him like Buffalo Bill in his little workshop kind of thing. And then, you know, they're about to storm this fucking apartment 
and then his door like it, it's the intersecting door, yeah. kind of boop, 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 intersecting boop. back and forth his doorbell rings he, he he's kind of shocked he goes up and then like they bust in and then you find out they're in the wrong place and then he opens up the door and it's just clarice there and then they have that little interaction for a little bit and then it has that one scene where it's like she realizes he's buffalo bill and he realizes that she knows and then he does that like like stare at the camera with the little smirk yeah i and think I, th- like, I think i've got his card right here and and you see him like fading back to the doorway to get his his pistol or whatever yeah and then the fucking lights go out and then you're like fuck right and then it's that whole thing with the fucking like she keeps on going like to the depths right into the dweller and then it has that night vision scene which is fucking amazing too right well and that night vision scene what i think is cool is at the very beginning of the film or part you know in in the kind of first you know whatever 30 minutes we see clarice on the range and so we actually know she's a very good shot and they just do it like again i think she's just on the range she's shooting she's doing really well and then we cut to the very end of the film and she's got her pistol out and she can't see anything. And she hears the like click of the hammer coming back and fucking just bang, 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 bang. And unlike every other fucking shitty like horror movie, not only does she fucking like dump a bunch of rounds, she changes fucking magazines. And I think she might even, she either just like dumps an entire mag into them and then changes mags and then unloads again or dumps all the rounds into her and then unloads, reloads and is like ready for whatever happens. I was like, yes. Because that's exactly what you should be fucking doing in that situation. Yeah, like we talk, I think we mentioned it before, too, like with this film, like it's one of the first, like only slashers really that I that I can think of off the top of my head that was nominated for a fucking best picture. Uh, so it won best picture, best director, best actor, best actress. Best adapted screenplay and was nominated for sound and editing. I don't know. I'd, I'd actually have to would like to know what it got for edit. Who won for editing? Because that scene you're talking about where the FBI shows up, it's edited perfect. Like it is. It is right. They go right to the line and don't go over it. Everything is perfectly matched. So it's like doorbell, doorbell. Just as they're the SWAT team's coming through the door, the door opens at like ex- like a half second later, and there's Clarice and it's calm. And then they're like, go, 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 go. Like, it was perfect. That scene itself is a perfect example of fucking editing. I agree. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. So, yeah, 30 man. years later. Yeah, seriously. Again, so like Boogie <laughs> Nights, like if you've watched Silence of the Lambs, it's sometime in your past and you're like, oh, I haven't watched that film again. Go rewatch it. Also, you just Anthony Hopkins, man, like just the fucking man as Hannibal Lecter. Like, he 100% deserved that Oscar. Like, I love him as Hannibal Lecter. He's, it's just, it's, he just owns the fucking role. I mean, and Jodie Foster does a great job as well, obviously, but. Now, uh, kind of off topic, because we have no really format. Do you think they oversaturized the Hannibal Lecter character after all the sequels as well? Like, having the film that was 100% just him and him eating Ray Liotta's brains. So they're all based on novels, right? Books, yeah. So, and I, I've read all the books and stuff like that too. And I mean, Hannibal Lecter is not supposed to be like a primary character all the time in all the books, but obviously, oh yeah, Thomas Harris is the author. Um, 
I think honestly, I think maybe it has to do with the fact that they all the other films are done by different directors, right? So you know, you don't have John because Jonathan Demi does a good job of keeping it in like it's almost a drama. Like, and then you go, so for example, is it Ridley Scott or Tony Scott that did, um, or, uh, did, uh, Hannibal? I thought it was Ridley. Was it Ridley Scott? So it's, it feels I much, think so. it feels much more like actiony where the silence of the lambs is this like slow brooding, brooding thriller. And I think that that is much more like the book. Like the book is, is it, you want to keep reading cause you want to know what's going on and the silence of the lambs has that real quality. So it's not just the oversaturation of Hannibal. Oh, speaking of Hannibal, if you haven't seen the series Hannibal, that's a fucking great reimagination of like all the stuff from the books. Uh, it's super fun with um, Mad Mal- Malkinson as Hannibal Lecter. It's like mm-hmm. kind of police procedural, but you get to have Hannibal and they basically just take sections of the book and create a new narrative. Uh, so I don't know if it's just the oversaturization of Hannibal Lecter, but I think the storytelling changes because you're move, working with different directors and uh, different screenplay writers, right? So, good. Now, one I will discuss. Uh, this one I believe also came out thirty years ago, and they remade it uh, this year. Well, now it's a direct sequel, but it's Confess Fletch. Did you watch it? Yes. Okay, I want to know because it's on my list of things to watch. Actually, I might even watch it today. Listen, Chris. Because I love the original Fletch. Like, with... uh, Okay, that... If you're going thinking Chevy Chase, nothing like that. Right? This is more more down-to-earth kind of thing. There's no... Like, when he does his investigations, there's no elaborate costumes like Chevy Chase did that he's in character. It's literally... He changed his jacket and put on glasses and now he's a new pair like it's no elaborate things like that but for a person who constantly is waxing poetic about how much he loves Mad Men yeah because it's Don Draper right but also uh the other character Robert Slattery is that his name uh Uh, possibly yeah well the other one that was the other marketing guy oh yeah 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 um he was the older one uh, i'm trying to think yeah 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 they played roger yes he's in it as well and he plays fletch's uh editor and they have a whole like a bunch of fucking scenes that's like it's like madman to the end where you know he's like just fucking swearing at don draper like you fucking fucking nut, like kind of thing and uh story-wise it was well done um John Hamm did good. Like his dead, like he's fu- I love his deadpan fucking acting to to it. So you know, as opposed to um, like he was way more dry than Chevy Chase's, but it, it's still a really enjoyable film, and I can see why. Like it, it's rated high on, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, but I definitely recommend it because it is fucking enjoyable. A shit right like it's one of the movies that i enjoyed the most but like in our best of 2020 there wasn't really any category i could really throw into it but i think you'll enjoy it you should watch it today and let me know uh do you have any films that you're like super excited to see in 2023 like off the top of your head or did you make a list yeah or? 
Yeah, there's a couple I wrote down here, uh, and I'm excited for them for different reasons. Um, one, the 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 one movie I'm excited for the most um, is a film. I think it's going to be a little indie film. It's called uh, Cocaine Bear because <laughs> after watching that fucking trailer, I honestly just want to fucking sit in the theater like for 90 minutes and just watch a bear high on fucking cocaine go maul some people yeah because that trailer just fucking made it for me so good on elizabeth banks i believe she's the director but yeah she she has made my uh most anticipated movie that i want to fucking watch um other ones that i'm looking forward to is runfield because i want to see some fucking nick cage as dracula but also like in terms of the dracula story like Renfield is always the side character that had the experience with Dracula prior, but you never got to see it. And I think expanding on that is going to be fucking worthwhile. And if they do anything that they did with Invisible Man, because uh, I think this is a Bloomhouse movie as well, um, trying to build their Universal Monster uh, universe, I think it's going to be fucking super, super good. So, uh, so a couple films that I'm, so Oppenheimer obviously is like, I'm super, super soaked to see that fucking film. You know what I mean? Because I love the work that Christopher Nolan does. It looks beautiful. It's a, it's a super important story. I think it's going to be in good hands with him. I think it's interesting that he's going to do like, kind of go back to doing like just a really big budget drama. Uh, and it's with, uh, was it Cillian, Cillian Murphy mm-hmm. or Killian or whatever? uh yeah, which the scarecrow they, yeah, yeah yeah and they work together all the time and i mean obviously he was great in um oh what's that netflix show uh the peaky blinders right i love him as an actor mm-hmm. i think he's great um <clears throat> i'm interested for indiana jones 5 but i'm really worried they're gonna fuck it up so what are your what are your thoughts i figured uh, indiana it, jones is probably one of the things that you may want to it, it is it is on mine because but the reason i'm interested in it is not only is this going to be the last one, well, at least the last one with Harrison Ford. Well, he said the also, fucking character dies with him. Like, he's like... Yeah. So do you think hey, he'll die in this? Fucking River Phoenix was Indiana Jones. Don't forget that. And show was uh, Sean... What was the guy from Boondock Saints? Sean Patrick Flaherty? Oh, yeah, He was yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones. He was a young dude. So there could be a young Indiana Jones back in the day. But I think this is the first one that... I don't even think Lucas or Spielberg with the exception of producers have anything to do with it. I don't think they like, it's not a George Lucas story. It was written by, this is the first one written by other people and the first one directed by James, uh, somebody either than Spielberg and James Mangold, like Faki, you know, Ford versus Ferrari, uh, Logan, like, I think it's this may wash fucking Crystal Skull, like, you know, out of existence. Yeah, like they're bringing, like, it's almost like we're going back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, seriousness. Like, this isn't going to be whatever the fuck Crystal Skull was, you know what I mean? No, You know exactly. your movie's it's bad like... when you make Temple of Doom fucking look like a fucking piece of high art. 
fuck you. There's nothing wrong with Temple of Doom. Sure, no, there's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, I, I think we, we could both agree that Raiders and uh, Last, Last Crusade. Crusade are like peak perfection fucking indie indie movies. Indiana Jones films, not indie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, the other one I'm kind of looking forward to is The Scream Sex. Yeah, the first one without Nev Campbell. True. You know, they don't want to pay the Sydney Prescott money. But the thing is, I don't know. Have you seen the teaser trailer for it at all? Is that the one on the subway? Yeah. So it's like fucking, it's like Scream in New York. So it's like Jason Goes to Manhattan. So so hopefully, you know, hopefully Ghostface is, um, you know, in New York a lot longer than Jason was. And it's not the whole movie them on a on a boat uh, going to New York, but I'm think, on a boat and I'm killing shit. I'm on a boat. But yeah, I think taking the concept of Scream, where technically the killer can be anyone, and now you're in a city where the population is what like four million. Oh, I don't know, something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that if done well, is going to bring a lot more you know, anxiety and a lot more options to it. So, and the the one that released this year, I don't know if you saw it, but it was really well done too from the same directors and writers. And I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, and then, I mean, let's be honest, what it really does is opens up your IP, right? So now you don't have to tie these, character together, these characters together at all anymore. You're just like, now I can have like, Ghostface in prehistoric times, Ghostface versus Predator, whatever, right? So you obviously didn't watch the one that got released this year. Because <laughs> they literally had a whole comment and it's a whole section of why they went back, like why the killers did what they did because, you know, the fictional franchise stab of Scream was like, they're just doing whatever now. It's like Ghostface with fucking muscles and a chainsaw. Like, what the fuck? They're like, we need to bring back to basics kind of thing. So that, that's hilarious. <laughs> they always <laughs> were good at being like meta, right? So yeah. Um, so, I mean, and I don't want to like, you know, obviously I'm looking forward to Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon just because it's fucking Scorsese, although I can often be disappointed with the stuff he's doing now. Uh, and obviously the new Mission Impossible. That is going to be fucking amazing. Oh, you know, with Maverick in it. God, that Maverick's acting career is doing so well. Well, you know, I've already seen the fucking, you know, big scunt of him riding a motorcycle off a mountain. I don't think I need to pay. I'm like, they gave it to me for free. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, and I'm also interested in seeing Barbie. I think that's going to be fun. I like Greta Gerwig as a, as a writer director, so. Yeah, um, like the last two I'll do is uh, I'll just put them together. I'm like, I'm interested in Dune Part 2. Um, just Boring. to see. Oh, yeah, I like. I would like to see what new uh, sense Zendaya is going to bring for Sandstorm. You took it right out of my brain. I was going to make a Zendaya like commercial perfume comment and you just like. But now, now they have the for men because they'll have the Austin Butler version too because he's in it. He, he'll play the main villain. And the other one I'm kind of looking forward to just to see like how the fuck they're going to do it is the flash is how the fuck are you going to market this film? That's supposed to like, you know, reinvent the DCU when 
the main actor might, might go be to jail. jail. <laughs> so I'm like, how are you going to do that? I'm like, I'm just, I'm just waiting to sit here with the popcorn and be like, is no one going to mention the lead character? Well, and if it does really well, though, that, that uh, cognitive dissonance back at studio headquarters where they're like, this guy's kind of fucking toxic, but he made lots of money. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like they've, you know, with the whole debacle with the whole, henry cavill and black adam thing and it's already been released that the scenes he was gonna film for this movie have been already cut and then gail gadot's scenes have been cut so like they're like cutting everybody from this like snyderverse kind of thing and yeah just to see like how are you gonna fucking do it without the lead actor and how are you gonna promote it so i'm super interested in just you know Sitting back and then taking always, my money. It's always great when you're more interested in seeing the drama around the film than in the film. Oh yeah, like they they literally could sit down and just get and take that "Don't worry, darling" memo notes and be like, "Okay, let's do this, let's do that, let's have uh, Isaac Miller just spit on fucking Michael Keaton." Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all I got, man. You got anything else? That's it. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. you're a bunch of fucking movie nerds when you can have an unplanned podcast about basically just chatting and it's longer i think it's lo- the longest fucking podcast or one of the longest podcasts that we put together <laughs> that's pretty good yeah that was or... a good actually i think I, I think that was a good show i think uh all the people out in radio land they're gonna be like hey chris why don't you just watch more fucking modern movies but whatever <laughs> no. you gotta go to the golden oldies man sometimes because they're uh they're pretty golden even if they are Boom. Leave it at that. Production by Rod Shaver, Fader Monkey Productions.